Hey, Pete the Planner here. Um, listen, I've been working on something for 15 years, and I'm so excited to introduce it to you. It is called Hey Money, and the whole point of it is this. You should not have to pay thousands of dollars a year to talk to a financial expert about your financial life and to get answers to the questions that you so badly need. And that is why we created Hey Money for about 20 bucks a month. We can help you with all aspects of your financial life, short of investment decisions. That's right. I'm just telling you how it is. Don't call us and say, hey, should I invest in this or that? That's not what we do. And let's be honest, those aren't the questions that keep you up at night. We can help you figure out how to get out of debt, to pay for college, how to uh, put together a budget, how to do all sorts of things. If you like this show, which of course you do, that's why you're listening, then get Hey Money. And I've got a special offer code, 10% off radio. Use the offer code radio for 10% off for podcasts and radio listeners only. Go to callheymoney.com. That's callheymoney.com, offer code radio. Good day. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner show, we answer your money questions. That's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at PeteThePlanner.com. We will answer your question. Of course, these last six weeks, we've been talking about what is the global pandemic and the economic pandemic. Joining me as often is the Vice President of Advice for Your Money Line and Hey Money. His name is Damian Dunn. He is not related to me whatsoever. And we're streaming live on Facebook right now. Dame, hello. Hello, Pete. I feel shot out of a cannon today. I took a little break in the morning to go fishing caught several of them. My thumbs hurt. That's how you know you did a good job. Dame, today on the show, we're going to talk about home equity lines of credit. We had a question about that. We're going to talk about what's going to happen in the fall when uh, students go back to college virtually or physically. And I got an email from a woman who makes $75,000 base income and additional $125,000 in commission on a regular basis. And now she's cut back to that $75,000. So we will talk about what to do. All right, Dame, let's get started. Uh, This is an email from a guy named Tim. Dear Pete, thank you for your years of sharing your wisdom. Now, Dame, you know how you get on this show, right? How's that? You compliment the host. Oh, that's right. My sister is about finding alternative. Oh, my question is about, where's my sister? Oh, here it comes. My question is about finding alternatives to a HELOC. Tell, Tell the people what a HELOC is, Dame. Uh, HELOC, don't they fly in the air kind of like an airplane, but they've got a rotor above? No, HELOC, home equity are we, are line. You doing, of, are you doing the jokes now too on the show? Somebody's got to do a joke that's funny. Home equity line of credit, ladies and gentlemen. My sister and I inherited our parents' house in the Indianapolis area after their deaths. She and I are the only two co-owners. She lives in another state. The house is worth at least 200000 American dollars. The house is paid off. There are no liens on it. I've been living in the house since returning to Indianapolis from living in Europe to be a caregiver for my parents in the house. Do you think it's the sort of guy that complains about the quality of croissants at local bakeries? Could be. My parents had neglected doing needed repairs and renovations as they neared the end of their lives and needed money for their own care. I would like to get a HELOC to pay for needed repairs and renovations as the house is being downsized and ready to sell. I would be able to make the monthly payment for the HELOC from my social security income and my income for being in job training with an organization I'm not going to name because I'm not here to disclose where people work. 
Any money owed the lender at that time of the sale would, of course, be paid out of the sale. As the lender is first in line to be paid, however, my sister is unwilling to get a HELOC. I offered her that when the house is sold, I would agree that she would get the same amount of money from the sale that she would have received if we were no lien holder. This money could come out of my portion of the sale, but she is still unwilling. I don't have the money to buy my sister out. Therefore, I'm seeking alternatives to a HELOC that would accomplish the same goal. Goal With great thanks, Tim. All right, Dame. So let's let's identify some of the, the major things here. First of all, we've got a classic forced money and family scenario, right? Yeah. Mom and dad died. They said, look, we're splitting things equally between you kids. You can figure it out. You guys have always gotten along. And Dame, there's no reason to think that Tim and his sister aren't getting along. They just see this situation differently. His sister's situation could be totally different than his as well. She could possibly really use that cash for whatever reason um, or, or not want to enter into the, a HELOC for, for whatever reason. Um, you're right. It, it could be totally different. Uh, family situations where you have to uh, deal with a large fixed asset or illiquid asset can get really complicated really quick. And this is a perfect example of that. Yeah, so I'm trying to think, what are some alternatives to that? What are some alternatives to a loan? I mean, couldn't he, depending on the amount, couldn't he take a personal loan? Or, I mean, I mean, the banks are, things are a little interesting right now in this country. It, it's, it's odd, Dame. I wonder if the answer to this question is different now based on the times of which we live. I mean, is the real estate market itself such a risk of trying to sell a home right now that there's higher risk in taking out a home equity line of credit in a speculative nature based on the speculative sale of a home, right? I think one of the large banks in the U.S. actually just stopped making HELOC loans uh, within really? the last week or two. Yeah, because they just are unsure of where things are going to go. Who did that? I want to say it was Chase. Well, I wish they would just give PPP loans. Well. Are we going to talk about? No, we're not going to talk about that. I'll start getting mad and throwing things. We don't want to do that. Okay. So um, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think they could maybe get a personal. He could get a personal. It depends on the amount though, right? Yeah, it's totally it's totally amount dependent in this case. There there are some options potentially. I mean, yes, a personal unsecured loan could potentially work for this. Outside of that, trying to raise a large sum of money for a, a case like this is going to be pretty difficult. If we're honest. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm looking at this again. Okay. So he has social security income and he's got income from being in job training with a particular organization. I see here. He doesn't say anything about having any assets, which makes me think he doesn't have any assets and could not secure his own loan. Hmm. Do they say what kind of repairs they want to do? Did I you don't say think that? So. I don't think so. Uh, my parents had neglected doing needed repairs and renovations as they neared the end of their lives and needed money for their own care. So his other option is to try to sell the house as is, unless they're just going to get killed on the inspection report and are going to have to drop the price a ton. Sure. And then we have no idea what, does he say where he's at uh, in the country? Indianapolis. Okay. So depending on what he walks away with, he could possibly find uh, a, a good living situation too as well um but there's all sorts of variables that are playing into this pete that really 
take us down a different path every time we we look at it. Why wouldn't the sister want a HELOC? Because I'm going to try to look at this from her position. Let's, let's say she's right. What are reasons in this scenario that a person wouldn't want a HELOC? Do you think she just doesn't want the the risk of the home not selling and then now she owes money? That would be my guess. Yeah. But you know what? And I, this question came in within the last couple of weeks. She might not be that far off from right. Sure. I think there's a number of things that are going to start pointing us towards a housing market slowdown. We've already seen it happen. Uh, if, if this situation continues to draw out uh, and, and people are off work uh, and taking unemployment for a longer period of time, we're still going to see large purchases like that slow down, dry up, or just go away completely for a while. Yeah. That's interesting. This is a total handcuff situation. They can't get rid of that house until they fix it. But they, you know what I mean? But then if if they take out the money to fix it, they may not be able to sell the house. And this guy lives in the house, so he's going to have to find an alternative living situation anyway. Yeah, this stinks. I hate this one. Yeah, I'd like to usually start the show out with a nice softball that we can just kind of crush. And Why did and I do good this? Because so- you didn't consult me. Why did I do this? Here's the thing, Tim. You can't just talk your sister into this decision because I think you would be talking her into a riskier situation than she wants to be involved with. Because I see risk in this too. Like I I actually side with your sister, I think. That's fun. When someone (laughs) emails to get me to give them ammo to argue against someone and I just tell them that they're wrong and the person they're arguing with is correct. How's that for you? Those are the best counseling sessions ever. Now, you got to think marriage counselors deal with that all the time. It's like one person sets the appointment. It's like, well, well, you need to tell my husband he needs to clean up around the house. And they get to the session and the therapist is like, well, seems like that person does plenty. And this is just a dream scenario that husbands have, by the way. I don't think it actually works that way. All right, Dame, coming up after the break. We're going to hear from a woman who emailed me who makes a lot of money under normal circumstances, but we isn't in those normal circumstances. So uh, I will tell you my advice for her. That's part of my Indianapolis Business Journal question. And Dame, I will admit to you that I made a major mathematical error in one of the largest newspapers in the world, and I'm getting emails about it, and I'm not excited. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the show. Back on the Pete the Planner show, answering your money questions from coast to coast. I mean, just the coast of the west side of Indiana and the east. And the, the hey, everybody, uh, Damian Dunn joins me as always. Hello, Dame. Hey, Pete. And you made it through the break. That's great. Thanks. I see that you're drinking a uh, brown beverage. Uh, can I assume it's just a, a bunch of uh, Jacques Daniels? Sure. Assume whatever you want, Pete. Oh, this is your work day and I'm your boss. So, all right, let's go ahead and uh, read the next question. Dame, this came in via the Ask Pete the Planner hotline. Dear Pete, like everyone else, I feel like my financial life is about to take a big hit. My base salary is 75000 American dollars, but I typically make another 75000 to $125,000 in commission and bonus size. Why aren't bonuses? Shouldn't like plural of bonus be bonus I or something like that? It's bonuses. Bonuses? Hmm. We're, uh, we've set our lifestyle based on 150,000 to 200,000, not the 75,000. It looks like I'm going to make this year. 
Based on the industry I'm in, I don't think I'll make a bonus or commission for the rest of 2020. We don't have much money saved, even in our 401k. Where do I even begin to fix this major problem? I'm not quite sure the financial reality has hit my husband yet. Megan in Zionsville, Indiana. What do you think, buddy? I'll let you take the first swing. Megan's not the only person that's facing the situation right now. Uh, we see questions similar to this regularly uh, coming in through our various streams of communication with people. Unfortunately, there's no super quick answer to this one either. She's going to have to start getting really familiar with some expenses uh, and making sure that she is spending every dime that comes in appropriately and um, thoughtfully in this case. It may and almost certainly will entail some uh, behavior change. Uh, I'm necessarily, you know, stopping some things, maybe starting some things, but there's you know, a few things that are going to potentially be uncomfortable in the short term. But I think, and back me up or correct me, I guess, uh, depending on how you feel about it, Pete, she could leave the situation or enter out of the situation, enter out of, exit out enter of. Enter out of is actually out of. not a thing. Congratulations well, you know. on not saying a thing that makes sense but keep going i love it i love it. this is As, good ostensibly i use english on a regular basis i gotta google uh, ostensibly go ahead okay uh she could end up in a better situation if she can get some things figured out uh for the long run yeah i'm with you here's where i'm at on this i think like you said so many people are in this position so many uh maybe not the numbers but the percentages, right? I mean, that's a, that's the bigger issue here. If you're just listening to our show for the very first time, don't get caught up in the numbers, uh, the dollars, if you will. Get caught up in the percentages. Mm -hmm. Because if you go, well, I don't make $200,000. I'm not listening to this. You won't learn anything. And that's not a good way to go through life. I'm off my soapbox now. Dame, here's what I think most people are going through that are in this situation. If they don't have an emergency fund, and they don't have 401k that has any stability to it. Because she told us, she said she doesn't have much savings, even in their 401k. She has not created stability with this high income, with this additional form of, of compensation. She's not used it to create stability. She's used it to create a lifestyle that she finds stability in when, in fact, there is no stability. So what she wants is she wants to either A bridge the gap between the terrible time now to the other side of it by maintaining her lifestyle. Or the other option is, is to take this for the wake up call it is. And I don't say that insensitively. And I guess to your point, press reset and change everything. Because Dame, this brilliant, beautiful income has led to nothing. Nothing. There is an opportunity to be had here. It will not be comfortable. Um, there may be some really tough decisions that need to be made on her part, as I said previously. They may not seem obvious or even potentially doable at glance, but it may take some legwork and it's going to feel really weird to do work to spend less or to, to make it so you can uh, uh, live month to month within your means on $75,000. But there's not really a whole lot of other choices. I mean, sure, she could go out and start seeking relief for certain things if her mortgage qualifies for temporary mortgage assistance or 
uh, utilities or anything of that nature, she could potentially find those. That's a Band-Aid for the situation, though. And she needs something a little bit more permanent. And See, that begins. The way I view this, this was going to happen sooner rather than later. Or I shouldn't say that. It was going to happen at some point in time. Sure. Whether it be at retirement, when, when you work a, a career making millions of dollars total, and you look at what you your nest egg is and there's nothing, we, we see that sure. all the time. We see the back end of this question all the time. So if she doesn't make a change now, if she tries to hang on to that lifestyle that is you know, not as abundant as she thinks, then she's going to be back in this position in a few years, if not a couple decades, and be in even worse trouble. And by the way, if you can't cut expenses right now, when can you cut expenses? I I did some math. It was probably wrong because I got to tell you about the wrong math I did in the USA Today here in a few minutes. Uh, I always hate that because then people email me and they're just not happy about the bad math. The bad math didn't end up mattering. Anyway, <laughs> I did some math on this and I figured they waste between... Tw- oh, I love that we could do air quotes now because we're live streaming this on Facebook. Usually when I do air quotes on the radio... No one can tell. Dame, I believe they waste somewhere between $2,500 to $3,000 a month in uh, consumer discretionary spending. Um, and I think you should, they can eliminate darn near all of that right now. I would hope. I, what you're going to end up doing is fighting uh, practicality against your, your pride or your ego for a lot of people because they don't want to be seen making changes. And that's a really dangerous place to be. I feel like everyone has got kicked straight in the <clears throat> pride area here recently. You know, I, I think that has a lot to do with this is that some of us want to feel more stable from this economic crisis than we really are. And so we don't see the opportunities for change. I know I'm being like Dr. Phil tough on this woman. No, you're an idiot. I don't really feel that way. I I, I feel sorry for this person because I've seen this situation play out so many ways, man. And it's always salespeople. Do you know why? Because they can print money with their sales skills. They can make it appear out of thin air. They're good at it. You know, in in the personal finance space, there's, there's two weird sides to what we do, right? There's the cut expenses and have a plan. And then there's the weird business angle to personal finance, where you see a lot of entrepreneurs become personal finance experts and it's grind and make more money. The solution is more money. I, I can name names if you want me to. Make more money. It's like, no, that's not the solution. This one makes $200,000 a year. More money is just bringing more problems. That was a... Thanks. That yeah. was a rap lyric. It was uh, uh, Kenny Rogers? I, I believe so. May he rest in peace. Yeah. Do you want to hear about my math error for, on USA Today? Is this the appropriate time to do it? I don't know. Is there ever an appropriate time to eat crow? Yes. All right. right now. Let's, okay. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, oh, here it is. A guy emailed me. It's a pretty easy one. You know what? With how much time left in this segment? Uh, about a minute and so. You know what we're going to do? This will be the next segment. Because I'll just read you the question that the guy asked me. And I'll tell you my answer. And I'll tell you where I did the math wrong. Because it's an interesting thing to learn from anyway. So now, Dame, here's the thing. I think Megan and Zionsville hopefully use this as an opportunity to change their life. I have a good friend who changed his life by selling a home that he never should have purchased in the first place. And he had to eat a lot of crow, a lot of humble pie. It was the right decision. And I hope 
Megan realizes that she may not have caused the problem she's in right now, but she can certainly be the solution. I think a lot of high income earners are finding that to be the truth right now. So, all right. If you want to email us, do so. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. I just gave our coworker Oz the keys to the kingdom. She can get in the email inbox now and send us some good ones. Uh, So I'm Pete the Planner. We're streaming live on Facebook today and live into your radio. This is the show. Back on the Pete the Planner show, it's Pete was wrong. It's a brand new segment that we have every week here on the show. It consists of, well, the entire show. Dame, here is the column from USA Today this week. It involves a man. His name is Robert. He lives in Kansas City. What if he goes to Jack Stacks? Do you have a favorite Kansas City uh, restaurant for barbecue? I do not. Mm. That was just a way for me to tell you that I'm well-traveled. Yeah, I got that. Planned on retiring from my job this October after 42 years in the workforce. Nice. But with all this stock market crash and recession stuff, I'm not sure I can or should. I live alone. Oh, nice. (laughs) Uh, Currently bring home $4,100 American dollars a month. And I have $452,000 in my 401k even after the G crash. I haven't filed for Social Security yet, but I'll receive about $2,500 a month. I'll be 67 when I file. I don't have too many bills, and we and we only spend about $3,000 a month. How, why did he say, I live alone, and then we? Was that the royal we, or is he talking about his cat? Yeah, his cat or a dog is what I was thinking. I think I can make it work, but I'm just nervous about leaving the workforce with all the unknowns. So, all right, so here's the numbers, Dame, and then you'll see my bad math. Very shortly. And it was a dumb error. I wrote it like at one in the morning because I was on a deadline and I couldn't sleep. So I got up and wrote it and it was just midnight math, which is not a good thing. $4,100 a month is what he earns. He only needs $3,000 a month in retirement and Social Security provides $2,500 a month. So he only needs $500 a month from the $452,000 in assets. So needless to say, he can retire pretty comfortably. It's not going to be a big issue. Yeah. So here's here's the the most fumbled, worst math of all time. Dave, I'm going to start talking like Ted Kennedy today. Era, I don't know. Sorry, this happens from time to time on the show. Now I get to see your face when I do this because usually I can't see you when we're doing this. I was really worried about my eye rolls being not hidden anymore. Well, we would definitely we would have to talk about that after the show. Anyway, um, so it was dumb math, man. So obviously, when you take a pool of assets, 452000 if I want to see what's the most a person can reasonably draw off those assets, despite its current irrelevance, I still like to go back to the, the 4% rule just as a litmus test and say, okay, my dude here should not take any more than 4% of his balance. And his balance is 452000 So 4% of that is $18,000 a year. So he could take $1,500 a month with some degree of confidence that he won't run out of money. But in again, the 4, 4% rule is don't ever take out more than 4% of what your assets are in any given year. But Dame, it's sort of, this is a rule that's been beaten up over the last 15 years or so, but I still like it as like a 30,000 foot view. Do you still like it? 
Yeah, there's been a number of people who have said it should be considerably less, but then there's another study that's out that says as soon as you retire, it's expected that you're going to spend more money or a higher percentage and you're going to have a period where it tapers down. But then as you reach the end of life and approach post-retirement, uh, you're going to start spending more. So it's you're going to have different withdrawal rates for different times. And what I just keep coming back to is 4% because it's been around for so long and it gives us a ballpark idea of what's reasonable for you to take out in retirement. Yeah, even, th- I mean, I, I, I start with four, then I'll take a look at three and see what you get there anyway. He only wants 500 bucks. And so I'm just doing some lazy math. And in the column, I put he is only going to require 0.6% because I did it wrong. And the math was actually 0.13% or 1.3%. I, anyway, I messed it up. It was dumb. I was just like really dumb. I could have done this calculator uh, math right here on the show. And I blew it. What do you think fear of this time is a good enough reason to stay in the workforce when good people's math, not mine, but actual good math supports that you're fine? Fear of the current environment to continue working right now. That's what you're saying, even though all the numbers point to otherwise. Yeah. So these, if you need help here, these are unprecedented times. In these uncertain times, you know, should he still retire? Because we don't know what we don't know. Sure. But why should anybody ever retire? Because you never know what tomorrow is going to bring. Let's think of somebody who retired December 31st of this past year. Their investments probably got absolutely crushed. So if you are entering into retirement with some trepidation on what's going to happen in the future, see if there might be a part-time opportunity for you or a, a consulting opportunity with the company that you're currently at to where you uh, get paid a fraction of your salary and you still help with transitioning to, to a new team or whatever the, that may be. Uh, go get a part-time job somewhere, of course, once this all blows over, um, and, and, and make a little bit of side income to take the strain off of the assets that you have set aside for just this very instance. But if you've got a relationship with a financial planner and the math bears out and you've planned for this very instance and you want to retire, take a shot at it. Can I can I mix it up? Can we kind of throw in some hypotheticals that don't exist for this guy but probably exist for other people? Sure. Make up whatever you want to tank what I just said. Yeah, that's how the show works. What if a, a, a lot of this person's income, a majority of their income was based on a pension as opposed to social security. Like the guy's social security was not enough. He needed the pension to make this happen. Do you feel the same? Because I, I feel like the one topic that, that has not been discussed yet nationally is the impact that this time is going to have on, you know, managed money on pensions. And, and how that will compromise the stability of those pensions. Pensions are a fickle little creature right now. There are some states that are in pretty good shape uh, with, with the, the monies they've set aside for their employees. There are other states that will remain nameless, Illinois, Illinois. that have done an Illinois. absolute horrible job and they are looking for any tax they could possibly institute to try and derive more money and that's not going to work out real well so the next step is a federal bailout 
we'll see how you that think goes. that's what's going to happen you think there'll yeah. be federal bailouts of state pensions yeah i do i don't see any other way around it i don't think a federal government will allow state pensions to fail i don't know i mean it depends on what administration you're talking about and i are you ready for my my uh weekly statement i don't want to get political here <laughs> i have a hard time thinking that the trump administration in its current form, or even if it gets another four years, it's going to bail out state governments. I, I just don't see that happening. Okay. You, you disagree? I do. I, I think at some point the, the pressure will be too much for any administration to withstand because you will see millions and millions of Americans that will be uh, under threat of not having any kind of retirement savings set aside because they were counting on that pension. So what's the alternative? They work longer and mess up the labor force for younger people who are trying to establish their careers. Or they, I, there's no good oh, option. There's the eye it. roll. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't, I wasn't <sighs> even talking and you rolled your eyes and yeah. it was at me. Yeah. It's just the power you wield, Peter. The thought of what I said a minute ago gave a delayed eye roll response from you what about okay so you're mr problem solver here so what say you about social security how in the world is that going to survive these times it'll survive with a reduced benefit and people like you and me are going to plan on getting about 75 percent of what we were promised this whole path and people younger than us the same thing uh it can work. The Social Security trustees have already done numbers and they think it's somewhere around 75 to 80% of the benefit. And so if you want to figure 65 to 70 in you know, realistic terms, probably. Are, are you talking about they've already done the math based on the, our current times we're in? Uh, or are you talking about they've done no, the math? No, I mean, term? this was probably, the study was done a little while ago. So the, oh, well, okay, 50%. I don't, uh, you know, let me break out my abacus and figure this out. Sorry. Do you want to use the one I use to answer questions in the newspaper? Because it's pretty accurate. Yeah, I don't have to publish it. So who cares? Coming up after the break, the biggest waste of money of the week and some current events. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the show. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is the biggest waste of money of the week for those that have never watched the show or listened to the show because it is a radio show uh, is a item that I found on the interwebs that is a giant waste of money and I'm attempting to show it live on Facebook. Oh, ooh, ooh, I think I can do it. Okay, hold on. Hold on, Dame. Hold on. We may go into like an inception situation. Uh-oh, hold on. Permission denied to start screen share. Okay, that, that did not go well. This week's biggest waste of money of the week is the Louis Vuitton dumbbells. They're not adjustable or particularly heavy, but if you care more about the aesthetics of your gym than you do about functionality, Louis Vuitton has the dumbbells you're looking for. Weighing in at three kilos or around 6.7 libs a piece, they're made from a lustrous metal, with weight markings and branding on the ends and monogram eclipse canvas handles. Dame, I've got to send you a picture of these in Slack real quick because I need your reaction live on the air. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sending these to Damien uh, on Slack that you cannot see them, even if you're on Facebook Live right now. And they are uncomfortable looking. Dame, let me know when you get them. 
waiting. Huh. Oh, they, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Those look like something you'd buy from a a naughty site. That's not great. Yeah. Wow. They look like shake weights done worse. Wow. Yeah. Oh, did I tell you how much they cost? Not yet. Okay. You ready for this one, big fella? Yeah. $2,720 for two 6.7 pound weights that look like um, adult novelties. Let's move on. Dame, so here's something I've been thinking about a lot. I'm going to show you my range by talking about something silly and then really bringing it back. Mm. Dame, I've been thinking a lot about freshmen, who pe- people who are going to be freshmen, going into college in the fall, and how they plan on making a decision as to whether to go physically to the school that they thought they wanted to go to, which then may turn into virtual learning anyway. So then they're paying top dollar for virtual learning or go to a more affordable, affordable solution that's more practical and make sure that they can then transfer to the school they want to go to when all of this BS is over. What do you think? I've always been, always, in the last few years, I've become a large proponent of yeah. uh, being very cost conscious with your educational dollars. Uh, education costs a ton. A lot of families can't afford it. And there's no reason that you shouldn't look for any way possible to maximize those dollars. If it means going to a local community to college type uh, institution and then transferring those credits to a major state university or, or wherever you go that will accept those, yeah, I'm all for it. That just makes sense. So in this particular situation, I don't see why you couldn't do the same thing. We're talking about core classes here. Is is Psych 101 going to be taught that much differently on campus at a major state school versus a commuter college or a, a community college? I don't think so. I Maybe you feel differently, but I think there's a big opportunity for families to save money and really uh, help their students end college with a lot less debt. We're talking about this courageous and uncomfortable decision saving people tens of thousands of dollars, good sir. Tens of thousands of dollars. And, you know, there's a couple different angles to this. First off, let, let's say you know what you want to do for a living. And for some reason, you're a weirdo and you know what courses you have to take to accomplish that. I didn't even... I still don't know what courses I should have taken. Uh, but let's say that's you. You're like, I know what I want to do and this is what I want to do. You, this theory still works. You could still take this, you know, high, uh, Psych 101 uh, at home with an inexpensive university. But Dane, what about the majority of people who have no idea what in the world they want to do for a living? They have no clue. I, I've told you this before. And the, if the Hanover people are watching the show right now, they're going to get, I went to Hanover College in Southern Indiana. It's the Harvard of the Ohio Valley. Dame was great, great school. Loved it. Don't regret it. Wonderful. Here's the problem. I did not realize it was a liberal arts school until like my junior year. <laughs> I had no idea. Like I really didn't. I didn't. They're like, all right, you need to take this course. And I'm like, why? And they're like, well, it's a liberal arts school. And I'm like, I went and, and dogpiled that, which was a search engine back in the time because I didn't know what it meant. Anyway, my point is this. 
There are so many people who have no idea what they want to do. Why would they pay top dollar to find themselves virtually at a really expensive school? It makes no sense. No sense whatsoever. Uh, you get plenty of a chance to uh, experience campus life uh, if you choose to go that route later on. But in the meantime, get the core stuff out of the way. Maybe keep working a little bit during that time period to help defray the costs that you're incurring or that your parents are incurring and set yourself up for success after you graduate. This is a fantastic plan that way more people should consider right now than do, whether it's in this time or five years from now. Yeah, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Dame, does it look, I'm looking at, uh, as, as we're recording here, the show, does it look like you're still recording? Or is your, does your file look different than it used to look? I skipped away. So we're going to cross our fingers. And it looks like it's doing just fine. Yours okay, is excellent. blank. However, I, I think that's probably just an artifact of the software. All right, Dame. So I think it's going to be decisions like this. I mean, this. I think this is um, a great example, a microcosm of the sort of decisions people are going to have to make moving forward with this economic pandemic. They're going to have to say, look, I'd planned on going to this school, but it does not make sense. Given the context of the time and the information we have, I'm going to make a different decision. I think this is the same sort of decision people are going to make around retirement. Where I planned on retiring, given the context of the time, I cannot do it. And it's the people that say, I will not be deterred. I'm going to do it anyway. I think those are the people that end up losing. And, and, and I don't want to say that's my biggest fear because that's a little dramatic and it really isn't my biggest fear. My biggest fear is running out of two-ply. But I think... I think that's what it is to be financially literate in these times is to really take the information in front of you and adjust your plans accordingly to, to match the times. And I, I just, I fear people won't be able to do it. If there's one lesson I think that I hope that everyone has learned or is taking away from this whole time period is that flexibility is a really important value and skill to learn and develop in, in yourself, whether that's education, whether that's retirement, whether that's uh, things going on at home and, and figuring out how to be with each other 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, deferring vacations that, that families had planned, um, all sorts of stuff that just doesn't happen because life as we know it have has changed for the time being. If you can be flexible, things are going to be a lot more comfortable for you, uh, not only uh, personally, but professionally as well. I agree. I, I think the vacation thing is another really good example of that. Well, we always go on vacation in the fall, so we're going on vacation in the fall. No, you, you can't do this. If you can't be dissuaded from normal behavior and what is the worst economic conditions in 100 years, what is going to change you? Eight, 85 years in the early 1930s kind of sucked math man bad week of math in my brain i it's funny because i it's not funny but i usually run out of math on wednesday nights do you ever have that i mean you do math like me all week long yeah. do you ever feel like it runs out oh sure you ask me a question on a tuesday morning i'm like bruh, 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 bruh. Beautiful mind. Here's your answer. Ask me on a Thursday afternoon. I'm like, ask Dame. I have no idea. Might as well be Saturday afternoon. Right? 
All right, Dame, this was our first live stream to Facebook of the radio show. If you missed the show, if you want to listen, well, I don't know. Here's how you can be involved with this. You can listen on the radio in several places. We have a new affiliate starting next week. We'll tell you about them next week. You can also go to Facebook, uh, Pete the Planner page, and you can go to the podcast wherever you get your podcast to Pete the Planner show. Well, that's it for now. I'm sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the show. <laughs>